It's always good to be in the house of the Lord and uh, to enjoy fellowship, good praise, music, worship. And, uh, you know, Rudy was getting kind of fired up there earlier. I, I wouldn't mind if he just takes over and says, just preach a whole sermon right there, buddy. I'll be happy to support you on that one. <clears throat> but um, we thank God for his, uh, his faithfulness. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to, in the Old Testament, uh, Old Testament book, Ezekiel, chapter 12. We've, we've started a series on Ezekiel, kind of a challenging book. Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but in Ezekiel, if you go to Isaiah, then Jeremiah, then right down the street there is uh, Ezekiel. Chapter 12 and verse 15 and 16. I, some of my scriptures I'll read in uh, New International. Others will be in New Living Translation. I forget what I use sometimes, but it's either usually one or the other. Just so you'll know and not feel like I'm reading something strange to you. In Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 15 and 16... It says, and when I scatter them among the nations, they will know that I am the Lord. But I will spare a few of them from death by war, famine, or disease, so they can confess all their detestable sins to their captors. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for everyone who is here that you would bless, encourage, point out, convict, lead or guide or heal, however you want to lead this service, we give it to you. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here, and we want to follow your directive today. We want to be mindful that you are here and that, uh, that whatever we need to become aware of that maybe we're not, that you would draw that to our attention and that we can address it and know that you empower us to be able to live for you each day in a world that needs the gospel. So we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If my voice goes in and out, it, um, I guess we're having some sound challenges today. <clears throat> So just kind of finish the sentence for me, and that, that'll work. Um, you'll need to interpret some of this. Um, I, think, I think I'm going to be okay, but just in case, Rudy. Thank you. Amen. You're blessed already. <clears throat> I'd like to first uh, want to thank the church for your prayers, uh, my wife and family. Uh, my wife's mother, uh, my mother-in-law passed. She's graduated from earth and gone to be with the Lord. And uh, the, um, the, the funeral uh, and the graveside service was really uh, wonderful. I didn't know what to expect, to be honest, but it really was wonderful. There was some time for family to get together. It was kind of like a family reunion. We hadn't seen each other, some of the family members, in decades. So we, we thank the Lord for that opportunity. So we want to now, in the future, 
have, begin to have more family get-togethers, the entire family. So we want to we uh, thank you for, for all your prayers. I see that in the house that Jack and Lini Miranda are here in family. Uh, we welcome you guys, you know. When my wife and I went to Bible school, uh, his dad was our teacher, you know, and uh, uh, it was uh, quite amazing. And uh, through all the years have gone by, and to see one generation, another generation, and then another generation follow the ways of the Lord, that's what we live for. That's what we live for. Uh, today is the uh, L.A. Marathon. My brother-in-law, Eddie Aldaco, my wife's brother, this will be his 25th year running the marathon, L.A. Marathon. And he's very competitive. So I asked him, I says, Eddie, so what's your goal for this year? He says, just to cross the finish line. <laughs> That's all. I just want to cross the finish line. His wife, uh, Julie, she's also an avid runner as well. She wasn't able to run this year, but she is a tremendous runner in her own right. So we pray that all will go well for them. My wife and I were praying just simply over the whole marathon that God would be protecting that, that major event, to be honest. You know, so amen. Well, we're in the book of Ezekiel, and, which has begun. And um, I don't know how many have kind of read through that, some of those chapters. It's, yeah, I see a wave of hands. Um, but it really is an interesting book. In fact, I hadn't visited that book in a while, to be honest. I've heard it preached on a few times here and there, but um, uh, and um, especially the vision of the dry bones. That's kind of the favorite one. So I had to move away from the bones because I'm not there yet, so I had to kind of stay with the assignment. So we're in Ezekiel chapter 11 and 12 today, okay? But as this book, um, it's more like a prophetic book uh, in the Old Testament, kind of similar to Revelation of the New Testament. Uh, in there, there are visions, there's figures, there's parable, there's allegories, there's symbolic language, there's acting out, drama scenes, um, you know, all that is going on. And so it's kind of kind of hard to kind of figure that out. And so, but in a way, we find that Ezekiel, the, the book, the messages, are really presented in a very dramatic and kind of forceful way with a purpose, and that purpose was to try to get the people's attention. If there's anything that's really challenging in life, it's to get people's attention. You know, you, you got to work on it. That's why commercials, they pay big bucks to try to get your attention so that the response will be, buy the product. And how many are struggling with that? No, we don't have to go that route. The, the historical setting. It's when the Jews, uh, back in history in the Old Testament, uh, the, the northern kingdom uh, had been already uh, taken into captivity uh, by the Assyrians. Time had transpired, and now uh, God continued to speak through his prophets for the people of God to turn away from their wicked ways, to turn towards God. And now the attention was that after the removal of the north, now the attention was on the south, and God's attention was on his people. And so now it was about Jerusalem and Judea. And so now Ezekiel is, is, is really during the time when um, 
when it's during the second captivity, when, when now the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, is the king, and now they're aimed at coming in and destroying and taking captive uh, the Judeans, okay? And so this was, this was the, the, the scene at that time. Uh, the prophets had been speaking to the Jewish nation. You had Jeremiah. You had Daniel who was uh, taken captive. You had Ezekiel that was taken captive. You had Zechariah who was post-exile, which came to speak later on. Now, in the Old Testament, <clears throat> there are three prophets that had a double, double ministry. Jeremiah, Zechariah, and Ezekiel were the only prophet priests of the Old Testament. They occupied two offices. And they all three prophesied during the captivity and even after the captivity. <clears throat> Over 60 times in the Old Testament during this period in Ezekiel writings, that God said that he acted the way he did in bringing all of these different messages so that they would know that he is the Lord. You see, there were so many other things that were drawing the people's attention away from God. <clears throat> Just like today, there's always a lot of attractions, or I should say distractions, among God's people to look the other way, to conform to this culture, to conform to a different philosophy, a different ideology. <clears throat> so it's a challenge for us, even today, and even more, to stay focused on the Lord. Now check this out. Why would the Lord need to repeat this particular phrase, know that I am the Lord, when really they knew that he was the Lord? <clears throat> you would think, well, you know, God's people should know. Well, <clears throat> not always the case. The Jewish nation had the word of God, the only one. They had the priests. They had the sacrifices. They had the temple where they could worship, and they had the prophets of, of Yahweh, Jehovah. Now, you would think with all of that, how can you get distracted? And yet it happened over and over and over again. <clears throat> the people had God's best, and yet they still fell into idolatry. They fell into all kinds of sins that um, produced a callous response to God. They became indifferent. They uh, become stagnant. And afterwards, they really drifted away from the things of the Lord. And they were adopting the ways of the world. Another thing, the people continued in their rebellious state for a long time. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 18, that God describes his glory as beginning to move away. I can't think of anything more sad than, than, than to know that, that where God is and God has been among his people, that he begins to remove his presence. You know, the, the place where God inhabited among his people was in the holy, holy places in the temple. Well, the Bible says in Ezekiel 10, 18, as, as everything had transpired, it says, then the glory of the Lord moved out. From the entrance of the temple. Never said that before. And hovered over the cherubim. And then later it says. And it moved over the mountain. And gradually the Lord was kind of moving away. Because the people kept moving in. 
to other things in their life. And they were crowding out God. And so God responded to them. Now, the book of Ezekiel belonged to those early years. Now, the, the captivity attack happened in three phases or three stages. The first one was in the year 605 when the prophet Daniel was taken captive along with other Jews to Babylon. So that was the first one. Eight years later, a second attack against the city occurred in 597. Eight years later, when many additional captives were taken to Babylon. Ezekiel and Jehoiakim, the king of Israel, of Judah, was taken in that group as well. This is very significant. You see, God knows where all his children are. God knows our travelings. God knows in all the environments that we're in. Not everybody that was taken was guilty, but just simply because of the fact that there was all the sin that was going on, there was now a decision that needed to be made. So they were taken. They were taken by large groups. And in those that was taken in exile was, was Ezekiel. And God had called Ezekiel. Uh, ten years later, now when Ezekiel was in Babylon, ten years transpired before the last attack from, from Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came with an army that came with a final campaign and destroyed Jerusalem, the temple, and took most of its inhabitants back to Babylon. He actually did leave a lot of poor people there to maintain the area, but everybody else was taken. Three different periods of time. It was during that middle stage that Ezekiel arrives in Babylon, and God calls him to speak to his people. Maybe not the best time to want to minister, the best climate to be in, the best environment to be in. But you know what? God's call to his people, us included, is not to be going where the light is. We are called to go into darkness. We are called to go into where the need is at. Okay? Where the captives are. Now, Ezekiel, his name means God will strengthen. Or it can mean God will harden. Now the Lord called them not only to be a priest, but now he is to be a prophet to the people. God raised Ezekiel to be a prophet in the most difficult time in the history of Israel. He began prophesying somewhere around the age of 30, and for the next 22 years, he prophesied and he spoke the word of God. We're not told how many converts he had. I don't know that he had any. But he was faithful to the call of God anyway. Now God, now Ezekiel plays a role as an actor. God is the director and the writer of the script. This is not a scene from Hollywood. So we don't have anything here to give you extra, you know, uh, special effects. At times, Ezekiel is to read to the people. God, the author and director, is the one who closes the curtain as the play ends, and the play ends in the, final chat, in the final scene when the Babylonians come and attack for the final time uh, Israel and, and uh, Jerusalem. Now, in, in chapter 12, verse 1, uh, there's a description of the people that, that Ezekiel is going to speak to. Okay? Of course, he's been, he's been speaking to them already, but he tells them again, Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. 
Again, a message came to me from the Lord. In other words, God has been speaking to him to share that with the people. He said, Son of man, you live among rebels who have eyes but refuse to see. They have ears but refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious people. I can only imagine Jack being called to be a pastor of a church that you're led to believe that they're all rebellious right from the get-go. I'm saying, can I, can I, uh, you know, can I not have to go, you know? Is there another way to do this? But you know what? Ezekiel and what God had placed in his heart was not defined by the people's rebellious attitude or their demeanor. He didn't allow their attitude through the days and the years to come or their disposition or even their words or even the circumstances he was in to stifle his spirit. Ezekiel maintained his faith, maintained his joy, maintained his commitment in spite of the circumstances he was in. His first commitment was to the Lord, and that's where his joy was. Though he himself was in exile, living in a foreign land, in a different culture with different beliefs, it didn't change him. It didn't change him as a person. You see, Ezekiel demonstrated for us three leadership skills. First, he led with a vision, a vision that he maintained even in tough times. Secondly, he stayed true to his values that he had, even though times were challenging. And he was also able to compel people to grapple with the hard truth, which was sometimes very, very difficult. They didn't want to hear it. They resisted it. But, but repetitively, he would come and he would challenge him on that word. Now, I want you to use your imagination for a moment, Prophet Ezekiel. It says in chapter 12 and verse 3, the instructions from the Lord. So now, son of man, pretend you are being sent into exile. Pack a few items an exile would carry and leave your home and go somewhere else. Now do this in front of the people so they can see you. Can you imagine that for a moment? Can you see it? Okay. For perhaps they will pay attention to this. Because that was the whole purpose. You see, God sometimes would tell the prophet to do some funny things. You guys didn't see anything, did you? And, and, uh, and just to first captivate that attention. Because when God would speak, oftentimes they weren't paying attention. Sometimes in life, in the situations that we go during the week, wherever we're at, oftentimes in difficult situations, God is speaking. But we're not focused on that because we're so distracted by everything else. So sometimes something that you may see is rather strange and weird, maybe that's God trying to get your attention so you will listen to him as well as myself. For perhaps they will pay attention to this even though they are rebels. You see, Ezekiel was reenacting a scene that all these present exiles who were now there had really themselves years before had experienced when they were taken captive. The reason there were false prophets in Judah and Jerusalem is that in chapter 11, it tells us that there were leaders in the, in the city that were misguiding God's people. And, and this is a big concern when people in leadership positions are misusing their positions to convey 
ideas and things that go against the word of God. They were telling the people, you know what, guys? Don't listen to Jeremiah. He's getting old anyway. Ezekiel, he's kind of young. He don't know. He's inexperienced. Listen, guys, we know what's happening. The, the, the truth is that there's going to be peace. I know it doesn't seem like it, but there's going to be peace. There ain't going to be no big old captivity. And if it does happen, it, God's going to rescue you right away. You're not going to suffer. It's cool, man. Don't listen to these guys. And so what are the people, you know, after a while, when you get this message, when people begin to tell you things that are contrary to the word of God, and you buy into that, it begins to sink in and to sink in and to sink in day after day after day until the people begin to be swayed and persuaded into believing those typical ideas and thoughts that were contrary to what God was, trying, was telling them. God was letting them know, listen, guys, unless you change, you are going to be held captive. You're going to be exiled from your, from your land and you're going to be taken to a different land. But they had been so convinced and blinded by this that they were unable to hear God's word. They were smooth talkers. Chapter 13, verse 16 says, They were lying prophets who claimed peace would come to Jerusalem when there was no peace. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. So you had one, one message that were saying there's peace. And then God was saying, no, there isn't going to be peace, guys. The reality is, it's going to be different from that. And oftentimes, there are those who will say that our future is bright, there's peace, everything is cool, don't worry. When really the reality is, they live in a dark, sinful world where there is, there is a battle going on, a spiritual and moral battle going on every single day. It's across the country. It's in the courts. It's in the Supreme Court. It's at every level. And we need to be aware that this is our time to pray and to take action and to be an influence on those closest to us with the gospel of Christ. Even though they may be resistant and even criticize us for being a Christian. Scene number two. In Ezekiel chapter 12 verse 4 and 2 it says, Bring your baggage outside during the day so they can watch you. Then in the evening as they are watching... Leave your house as captives do when they begin a long march to the distant lands. Dig a hole through the wall while they are watching and go through it. As they watch, lift up your pack to your shoulders and walk away into the night. Cover your face so you cannot see the land you are leaving. For I have made you a sign for the people of Israel. The Bible says that Ezekiel did as God commanded. Did you see that one? I think you're seeing something I'm not. I'm not sure. All right, Pastor John. Okay. Who was this individual that, that was going around and covering up on this second round and doing it at night? You see, God is, again, captivating the attention Letting his people know that there isn't anything that escapes the eyes of the Lord. Whether we're doing good or whether we're not doing so good. Whether we are pleasing to God or we are not pleasing to God. He knows exactly what's going on. 
He's letting them know, I am the Lord. There isn't anybody like me. The rest are pretenders. They think they know better, but they don't know. They can't compare. So he gives them another visual so they can see about who they're talking about. Well, they may not have known at the moment, but they would know shortly thereafter. You see, the Babylonians came in that third campaign, and when they arrived, they came to destroy. And it was during that time that there was a man by the name of Zedekiah. The stories in Jeremiah 39. You see, Zedekiah was placed as the king prior uh, by, by Nebuchadnezzar to be a puppet. Because before that, remember, Jehoiakim had been taken to, uh, to Babylon. And so Nebuchadnezzar put his puppet king in there, which was Zedekiah. And, uh, and so when they invaded, Zedekiah says, you know what? This is where I am going to make the great escape. This is where I'm going to get out of here because I know things may not go well. So he covers himself and he goes by nighttime. And so he doesn't see what's going on so he can sneak out and get away. Well, history records that when he did this, the uh, Babylonians, King Nebuchadnezzar, found out because he had his secret agents always, you know, spying everywhere, knowing what was going on. And so when he left, somewhere around Jericho in the valley, they caught up with him. God knew all this, and that's why he stated it. He goes, nothing's going to happen without me being aware of it. I'm letting you know that I know what's happening. I know details that you think I don't know. I know them. And so they caught him. And they killed his sons right in front of him so he could see that and witness it. Then they gouged his eyes out. And then uh, they took him prisoner. Now, Je Jehoiakim was taken prisoner as well earlier. He was taken out of prison and given grace and kindness by the king. Jeremiah was released as well to live a happy life and be blessed by, by, by Nebuchadnezzar. They were granted privilege and blessing. Why? Because someone was behind all of this. It wasn't just man. It wasn't just them. God sees the way in which we live. God sees our behavior. He knows that we're not willing to exchange something for the other. We stay committed. And when we do, God will bless you at the end. And you can continue to represent Christ no matter what. God doesn't want us to be silent. God wants us to be vocal. God wants us to demonstrate through our behavior, our, our conversations, and, and everything to others that Jesus is our Lord and that people around us, wherever we're at, need to know that. Yeah, but there's people that are, they get offended. Well, they were offended. They were rebels. So when every time Ezekiel was saying, oh, yeah, 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 you know, Jeremiah would speak, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was people criticizing them, but their commitment was to Christ. It didn't matter where, whether they resisted or not. God had called them to continue to share the gospel, the word to them as well. You know, one of the things is that um, God was teaching Israel, as he does us as well, that there's something about individual responsibility. Oftentimes, the Jews thought themselves as God's people, the God's covenant people. So they always saw themselves as a group. 
And so they really kind of disregarded the individual responsibility. It's the group. Well, the Lord is saying, you know what? It's not just about the group. It's also about your personal life, the way you live as well. It's about the decisions that you make from day to day that's going to contribute toward the kind of lifestyle and belief and core values that you hold or you don't hold or whatever values you have. In, in Ezekiel 18, 20, it says, <clears throat> the person who sins is the one who will die. He didn't say the group. He didn't say the nation. But he brings it down home to us as well. The person who sins is the one who will die. The child will not be punished for the parent's sins, and the parent will not be punished for the child's sins. Righteous people will be rewarded for their own righteous behavior, and wicked people will be punished for their own wickedness. There is a responsibility that is on our shoulders to represent Christ. You see, you can't take Church of the Redeemer with you when you go to work. You know? You can't take... Brother John and the choir with you when you go to work and said, you know, I, need, I want to hear some praise music. You don't have to turn it on. I've got Brother John here. I've got the whole choir right here. You can't take the church, the choir. You can't take all the pastors. You just kind of go alone on that one. And when you're there, you're representing. You're representing Jesus. You're representing Redeemer. You're representing your family. You're representing yourself. Okay? And so God says, you know, it's important to understand that though we're collectively together or individually doing what we're doing, we're still representing the same person. And that the integrity that we have here will be carried out and lived out during the week as well. So that others can be drawn to the gospel. You see, God uses the faithful to preach the gospel. In Ezekiel 12, 15, and 16 that we read, it mentions there uh, about that he will spare a few. He will spare that remnant. There's always going to be those, whether it be in Jerusalem or whether it's going to be in Babylon. And I don't know where we're at today. Because you may sense, well, I feel like I'm in Jerusalem. Things are going well. Well, sometimes I feel like I'm in Babylon because I feel like I'm captive by finances, uh, you know, sickness or all kinds of stuff that's happening. And it gets me down. And man, I just feel like I can't do anything. Well, whether we're over here or whether we're over here in life or somewhere in between, the Bible says that God is going to be with us, okay? That no matter what happens, God has promised to stand with us and, and always have those that are going to represent him in those situations. God always has people all everywhere. It doesn't matter where it's at, okay? Now, let me move on to this. Uh, you know, God gives people hope, okay? And that is, the thing about all of this is in the messages of Ezekiel is that though we see calamity, we see judgment, we see captivity, we see, but what we see interwoven into all of that is that God cares for his people and that God has a plan for his pe people and God has a future for his people even though I'm not seeing it, even though I'm not experiencing it. You know, I'm sick. I can't experience the healing yet. You know, I'm going through this problem and I'm not, I don't see the victory yet. Where is God? God is just reminding us today, I haven't gone anywhere. In fact, wherever you go, I'm going. You can't go anywhere without me. Ezekiel, it tells Ezekiel 11, 16 and 17, chapter before. Therefore, tell the exiles, 
This is what the sovereign Lord says. Although I have scattered you into the countries of the world, I will be a sanctuary to you during your time of exile. I love that. A sanctuary. I think of a temple. I think of the presence. That means that wherever we're at during the week, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, doesn't matter where, when, doesn't matter. God says, I'm going to be a sanctuary to my people. Yeah, but I'm in Babylon. I'm not really like, you know, in the good place. That doesn't matter. He says, wherever you go, wherever you're scattered, good, bad, or ugly, I am still going to be your sanctuary. I am still going to be walking with you. I am still going to protect you. I'm still going to be your refuge. I'm still going to be present in your life. There isn't a place you can go that's hidden from me. Now, Zedekiah, well, on the other hand, you know, it didn't go so well, but it sure went well for those that kept their faith no matter what. Are we among those today that our faith is the same on Monday, our hope, our joy on Tuesday and Wednesday? Does stuff happen during the week that can get us down and discourage us to the point that by Friday we're kind of exhausted and, and Saturday we're stumbling and hoping for Sunday to get back in church, crawl in, so we can regenerate everything, refuel everything, get back out there again? Or can we find that during the week that there is the presence of God there with us that can sustain us so that when we come on Sunday, we ain't coming with an empty tank. We're going to come with a full tank. We're going to praise God. We're ready to go. And, and, and John and the choir saying, man, there's more juice going out there than up here. What's going on? Because the joy of the Lord is the same back and forth. Because God has the ability to sustain us and be with us wherever we are at in our life. I, the sovereign Lord, 17, will gather you back from the nations where you have been scattered. And I will give you the land of Israel once again. God wasn't done. God wasn't done. He's never done with his people, really, when you think about it. And what God has done with Israel and doing with Israel, God blesses the church and believers like yourself and I. In Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 5, is a verse that really touched my heart and brought some conviction to me at the same time. Uh, Ezekiel 2, 5 says, And whether they listen or refuse to listen. <laughs> ah, this is a good one, you know. I want people to listen, and I want to tell, yes, yes, you know. Beautiful sermon. Come on, yes, everything wonderful. He says, whether they listen or refuse to listen. Oh, I don't like that part, you know. He says, he says for remember, they are rebels. You know, maybe, maybe Ezekiel after a while is saying, I think they're getting it. I think they're getting it. Oh, no, they're not. You know. He says, at least they will know. They have had a prophet among them. That's what God says. In other words, in your marriage and in your home and in your community, in the store, at your work, at school, they need to know that there's a prophet in the community. There's a prophet in the home. There's a representative there. Yeah, but brother, my, my children, they're drifted. They're dead. Stay put. Don't you be going anywhere. You stay put with that same joy, that same hope. God hasn't gone anywhere. We can't save anybody anyway. We leave that up to the Lord. 
God's saying it doesn't matter what happens, whether people yes or no, whether they conform or not, they're flexible or inflexible. You just remain present right there. You keep praying. You keep representing. You keep speaking. I'll take care of the rest. That's what God does. So sometimes we grow weary. And, to, and today, God has reminded us, don't get weary. Don't give up. Oh, no. I haven't gone anywhere. I've been right there. Just turn. Re- reach out to me, and I will re-energize your batteries. I will strengthen you. I will strengthen you because God is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And that's what's going to get us through. It is Him. It is the Lord Himself. And knowing that we have the privilege to represent Him. Can you imagine how important you are at, at wherever you work? Really? You, am I the prophet there? I don't know. You're either that or a priest. I don't know what you are. Well, whatever that be. There. You're a representative, that's for sure. Represent. Represent. Smile. Let that joy of the Lord be there because people need the hope. Darkness has, has, has turned the hearts of people away in a different direction. But God has the power to bring people back, bring people to the cross, bring them into an awareness of his love and what he has done for them, what he has done for us, that God can use us. I will close with this. Some time ago, Billy Graham was interviewed by Nancy Gibbs, a journalist from Time Magazine. She, was, uh, she just was taken back by his humility, his kindness, his, his love, his integrity. The topic of fear came up and says, uh, Mr. Graham, is there anything that you fear? Or what is your greatest fear? Oh, interesting question. This is what his, his answer was this. He says, he says, he responded that I'll do something or say something that will bring some disrepute to the gospel of Christ before I go. In other words, I don't want to screw it up. I want to make sure I represent Jesus to the very end. And I worry about that. I don't want to misrepresent Jesus. Oh, what a conviction. I think that's what we can go with today. I want to be able to represent Jesus Christ. And the fear is that I don't want to misrepresent him. That neither my words or my attitude would be offensive in misrepresenting Jesus wherever we are at. That was his greatest fear. What a man and what a legacy and what a testimony he leaves us today. And that... The Lord said that the fear of him may be before you. And really, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. And I think when we're aware of that in our lives, things begin to change. I'm going to ask you to stand with me now as we come to a close and say, Lord, uh, thank you. We have